with a lot of clients that I deal with, um, they're in similar situations. And the thing that I worry about most is customers not hearing from the contractor. They don't know, and it's two, three months out. So contact customers, set expectations, let them know. They can take, they can take good news, they can take bad news. They don't take no news well. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Out of the Hourglass, a podcast channel presented by Nola Consulting Group. We are back with a listener favorite, the Business is Messy series. Continues today with Brian Nolan, managing partner of Nolan Consulting Group, and Kevin Nolan, partner of Nolan Consulting Group and president and CEO of Nolan Painting. Brian and Kevin unpack the latest messes and challenges the contracting world is facing and what they're doing about it. From material shortages to extensive work backlogs and how that affects the teams, to understanding your employee satisfaction rating, we get real on the issues and recognize that each day is a new day to solve our problems and clean up the next mess. Today's episode of Out of the Hourglass is sponsored by Odell Studner, helping companies of all sizes manage risk, reduce costs, and remain compliant. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Okay, here we go again. Another episode of Business is Messy, where we talk about problems, solving problems, and keeping pace with what's happening to us how we make change happen. I'm here again with my brother and partner, Kevin Nolan. Good afternoon, Kevin. How are you today? Hi, Bri. Hi, everyone. Kevin, I just got back from a uh, six-mile run in 91 degrees and humid, 100-degree real feel, where we talked about some of the mess. And um, really, this is kind of interesting because it's uh, less about the mess than it's about dealing with what's happening to us right now. And uh, there's been lots happening. But, Kev, let's talk about what's gone on since last last time we talked to this group in April. What kind of changes have we had? <clears throat> well, I guess a lot's changed. Um, <clears throat> it did get pretty messy there. And, and of course, I feel like we've cleaned up some of the messes. So that's always a good thing. Uh, but yeah, obviously, then there's more messes that come along because like, like you say, business is messy. And I think when you accept that, you start to just prioritize which ones you have to clean up first. So what's happened since, uh, since April? Um, well, you know, we got thoroughly booked out. Uh, for the whole year, uh, like nothing like this has ha- never happened to me before, where there was literally no opportunities to sell any work, really throughout the rest of the year. Um, and I'd been paying for a lot of marketing in the last couple of years, and have stopped doing that. And yet the phone keeps ringing. That's messy. What's messy about that? It's like your dream come true. Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. But at the end of the day, when people call, even friends and friends of friends call and want something done. And I literally have to tell them, sorry, no can do. So we really can't fit anything else without breaking promises to people. And that's not what I want to do. So I'd rather just tell people we can't do something. So after all these years of spending money to try to get the phone ring, I, I actually want it to stop ringing. And we're, we're basically telling people that we're not doing any proposals for the rest of the year. Um, we really have pushed back we don't want to do proposals for people for next year. There's just no point in having them shop us around. So then I pretty much got stuck with six salespeople with nothing to do. Um, so they all took a hit in June. That sounds dangerous. Yeah, it took a hit in June, and they and they lost their all the all their quotas. And then I did a strange thing. Uh, felt very strange. Is I removed all their sales quotas um, 
for July and August. So their, their quota for July and August is zero. Don't sell any jobs. Um, and then so what are you going to do with them? So we've turned them into project management and um, tied their bonuses to productivity on the jobs. And it seems to be a real opportunity for a learning experience, for them to be more involved and find more efficiencies on the job. And once again, just ultimately add to our, our profitability, which at the moment is extremely high. So as like you said, what's to complain about? Lots of work, fully vaccinated, summer of fun. But, but you're still short people, right? You're yeah, still well, we're short people. So we're not in a growth mode right now. Um, we haven't been able to hire anywhere near our expectations. Um, so we're just going to hold steady, uh, million dollar months. And, you know, we were doing more than that two years ago. So it is a bit of a come down, but that doesn't mean, you know, I've heard the saying, and I've been thinking a lot loud lately, lately is, um, revenue is vanity and profit is sanity. And so I'm feeling sane at the moment and not terribly vain. So, <laughs> and cash is king is the third part of that one. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, we've been able to spread money around to our employees. Um, incidentally, it's very strange. Much of this is not making sense, but our, our, we've been giving raises and we've been giving bonuses and we've been expanding uh, PTO. Um, and yet our direct costs or direct labor costs are historically the lowest they've ever been. How do you explain that? 30, 30%, 29, 30%. Um, just basically, we've been able to be really selective. We have raised our prices. We've been very selective. We did have a number of people leave in the spring. Um, at the time I talked to you in April, I was losing four and five people a week um, that were going to either other companies or starting their own business. Um, they tended to be more expensive people than the people that they replaced. Um, I, still, I certainly kept you know 80% of my... Um, high caliber, highly paid people. But nonetheless, um, all this with the with a uh, being more selective, raising our prices has, um, you know, proportionally lowered our direct labor costs. So there's more opportunity to pass it on to the employees. Um, and there will be more raises, more bonuses, um, and more benefits for employees because it's an employee market, right? Mm -hmm. They, they have all the say, if they mm -hmm. don't like the job, They've got plenty of other choices out there. And I, I, I freely admit that to them and um, ask them for input. Um, don't always agree with the input I get, but uh, we've done some surveys and things. And um, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to just change up a lot of our games. Let me, let me bring it back to this. Uh, we're, we're booked out so far and uh, customer satisfaction, setting customer expectations with a lot of clients that I deal with. Um, they're in similar situations. And the thing that I worry about most is customers not hearing from the contractor. They don't know, and it's two, three months out. So how are you setting expectations? How are you letting customers know where you are? Because that, that's sort of what you're known for, is service. Right, so yeah, so we, we no matter, we, one of our big rocks this year was to get our scheduling uh, down pat. Um, I wasn't happy with the last year. Obviously, it was it was pandemic related, and last year we were unable to stick to a schedule and keep it as well as I would have liked. So what we did is we um, we would you know line up jobs and then we would push them back a week or two as as we got closer. And so this year we determined that wasn't going to happen. 
Somehow it still ended up being the case in June. We had quite a bit of work, about $300,000 worth of work that we couldn't fit into June. And that was going to cause a ripple effect right on through the rest of the year. So um, I sort of forced the issue and we called 500 customers and pushed them all back uh, one week and gave them uh, dates that uh, we think that we can live with. You know, we spent a lot more time making sure that those were good, legitimate dates. And so we were calling people in November and saying it'll be November 7th instead of November 1st. And um, we were, it was very well received, but there was a lot of phone calls made. And frankly, now we're all a lot less stressed out by it. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, if there's a takeaway from this call, the first takeaway would be contact customers, set expectations, let them know. They can take, they can take good news. They can take bad news. They don't take no news well. Yeah, they don't. Uh, they end up getting pretty frustrated, and yeah. there's no reason for that. Um, they ended up being, uh, almost every single one of them ended up being very understanding. Yeah. Uh, because we were giving them advance notice and being highly commutative. And, and that's what we should be known for. If we're going to sell a high-priced product, we need to be that good. People, people want to know you care. If they know you care, then they'll, they'll be okay. Um, yeah. let, so let's move on to, to the other mess, which is um, what I'm hearing are shortages. Shortages everywhere because of high demand, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, cutoffs in, in various uh, materials, paint because of various things, vehicles. Um, yeah. Where, where do you stand in the shortages and how are you dealing with those shortages? Well, I, I, I ordered a truck in February. It still hasn't arrived. I ordered a, 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 a high-reach machine that I have a big deposit in in January. Still hasn't arrived. They're telling me it's these uh, microchips, semiconductor chips. Um, and then also there's been obviously issues with uh, paint. Um, um, our suppliers are substituting products. Um, they're, they're basically telling us some products are simply not available. We've had to, to move and try other things. Um, and then of course, there's been some price increases there as well. I don't think we've been as hurt in that category as other construction businesses, uh, but um, I know it's provided an, just an additional stressful level in what is, uh, like, like I say, a very strange period of time where demand all of a sudden picked up so dramatically all across the board for most every business there was and business wasn't ready for it. I think a key here is, uh, is to become very good friends with your vendor supplier uh, and be, be that, that uh, squeaky wheel. I know a lot of contractors are buying inventory um, and the, the uh, substitution is also there where you can you can actually get a higher quality product sometimes yep. at the same price. So um, really get, get ahead of that one. If you haven't felt the shortage yet, you might. So let's get ahead of that one. I'm sure that everybody has on this call if you're in the paint industry or in the construction industry in general. You know, um, back in April, we were talking about the big mess. We had employees leaving, yes. right? And, and we couldn't recruit that well. There weren't many painters coming in. So you made a decision to re-engage for growth, re-engage. Yeah. And so that then started the summer of fun. Yes. And so the summer of fun, here we are, like in the middle of the summer of fun, and um, which really is being intentional around uh, cultural things that make employees feel like they belong to something special. What's going on with this summer of fun and how can I become a part of that? <laughs> Um, well, there's still some more opportunities for things. Uh, there, there's lots more coming up. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the events have been fun. Um, they haven't all been as well attended as you'd like. 
Uh, for starters, you know, we required that you be fully vaccinated to attend these events. So we have about 80% uh, of our employees are vaccinated. So 20% have, for whatever reason, decided not to get vaccinated. So, so they're not going to be invited to these events. But, um, but that still leaves a lot of uh, fun for the rest of us. Um, so we've had uh, everything from the hatchet throwing, which was terrific one evening, uh, to um, poker night last week was a big, big event. Um, we had a beer swap that was a lot of fun. Movie night. Didn't go well. Uh, three people showed up to movie night. Um, but Phillies games, I got a lot more lined up. I got Whitewater Rafting. I got a Whitewater Park. I got the zoo coming up this weekend. We have a bike event this weekend, Bikes and Beers. Um, there's a Phillies game tomorrow, uh, Friday night. So there's still plenty of opportunity. Most of these events are either full or 90% full. And it's been, it's been fun for those that are participating. And I, I feel like it's just something that we probably will continue to do indefinitely. I know it's not going to have full uptake from everybody in the company. And um, as I mentioned to you earlier, we did a survey of our employees. And some of them, I've, you know, I've gotten everything from uh, what should we do, what should we, conti what should we uh, continue to do. And somebody said we should have winter of fun. So we will have winter fun. Another one said, let's stop having all this fun. So, <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to get both sides of the spectrum there. But um, that's always been the case. And I don't really manage the company to the people that don't want to have fun. So, so uh, safe to say you're working on your company's brand as an employer. Yes. And uh, you're measuring that with yes. uh, the very commonly uh, no metric, uh, the net promoter score, NPS. Yes. For those of you guys listening, let me just explain the NPS because it's, it's not, um, it's not uh, totally intuitive. So it's a question you've all answered. On, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are you to refer us to a family member, a peer, um, a friend? And it's exactly what you want. You're basically looking for referrals to work for your company. Yeah. So how so, likely are you to refer us? So, yeah. um, and... So on a scale of one to 10. So um, if you answer a nine or 10, you're considered a promoter. You're gonna promote Nolan Payne. Come work here, it's awesome, they take care of you. Um, if you answer a seven or an eight, that's considered a passive. Yeah. They're not, not terribly engaged. Not engaged, they're not telling people where they work. Uh, it's okay, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about leaving. If you answer a zero to six, you are a detractor. So the, the net promoter score is the percent of promoters, the nine and tens, minus the percent of detractors, which is a zero to a sixes. So you usually did this. And by the way, a good score is like a, a 70 or above, by the way. So yeah. what, tell us about you, we, Kev. So we were a 76, which is a good score. Um, incidentally, we only had one detractor. We had one employee that gave us a five. Um, mm -hmm. They should probably they should probably meet, leave, right? I mean, right. I'm not holding them here. They yeah. can move on. Um, lots and lots of nines and tens, um, couple sevens and eights. But so sevens uh, and eights get thrown out, which is yeah. why the score becomes a little less. They don't count. So, so like for instance, just to give you an idea, Apple um, has a net promoter score to customers of uh, 56. Mm -hmm. So one of our <laughs> best highest. Uh, uh, NPS is net promoter scores for a company customer satisfaction, 
is a company called USAA. They're like the number one in the sure. country. They are a 76. Huh. So um, our net promoter score with our customers is an 86. Hmm. So it is fair to say that our customers like us more than our employees. Um, but, you know, we've always talked about this. I I'm really happy with that because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to manage the companies to the detractors. I just want to make sure there's not too many of them. Sure, right? sure. But, it, but the fact that there's a detractor that says something doesn't mean that it's relevant. It yeah. just means that he's a detractor. And if you have lots of detractors, well, maybe then you do have a problem. What I, what I probably like best about this is you're keeping a pulse on the satisfaction level and the engagement level of employees. You also do the annual best places to work survey, yep. which is a lot more detailed. Yep. But if there's one question, if you only ask one question, this is the question. Yep. How likely are you to refer? Well, I'll just say we asked three other questions, real simple. We'll probably continue with this indefinitely because it's very simple. It takes about a minute to do this whole survey. Um, and the, the, the questions is, uh, what do we do well? Um, and almost all of them said customer service. Even the detractor said that. So uh, what do you do well? Uh, what should we stop doing? And what should we start doing? And so I will tell you that it wasn't like there was a lot of value in those answers, um, but there was some reassuring comments, like mm. things people said, I can't think of anything you should be doing, or I think you guys do everything great, or it's like a family. Um, so there's not always, some of them said things like, I think you should make bonuses easier to get. Not going to happen. <laughs> um, the word bonus, if you look it up, doesn't say easy to get. <laughs> So, um, but I do think we're going to make bonuses bigger. Mm. So we'll let people make that decision once again for themselves whether they mm. want to get it or not. Mm. I like but that. We, we make bonuses very attainable, but it does require extra effort above and beyond. More on that in just a moment. A reminder that today's episode is sponsored by Odell Studner. Odell Studner is a specialist in group captives, risk control, and safety services. Group captives allow businesses that file few claims to reduce insurance premiums and mitigate risk by partnering with other safety-conscious companies. Risk control services at Odell Studner begin with an in-depth analysis of your company's loss history to understand where and how your losses occur. We then create a plan to help control risks, minimize claims, and promote productivity, growth, and profitability for your company. Our ultimate goal is to prevent losses before they occur and protect your bottom line. We go beyond risk assessment to develop new strategies that enhance workplace safety and can reduce loss, time, incidents, and workers' compensation spend. Odell Studner, helping companies of all sizes manage risk, reduce costs, and remain compliant. And now, back to our episode. You know, I heard a quote last week. I was on a peer group call, and um, someone said to treat your employees like they're volunteers. Think about that. Treat your employees like they're volunteers. Yeah. So, so how do you treat volunteers? You're grateful. You're appreciative. Sure, sure. You're like, thanks for your time. You might even give them a little gift or yeah, something like that. Yeah, because in fact, they are volunteers and yeah. they can go anywhere. Yeah. So that mindset is kind of interesting if you think about that. Well, you know, I've been surprised at how low cost most of these events are. Uh, for instance, like the poker night. I think the poker night costs $400. I mean, that's cheap. That's considering that we mm -hmm. fed everybody. We gave them each $20 worth of chips. Um, we had a dozen people there. It was packed. I mean, that was all. It was two, two tables. It was a playoff. Um, Tony won five, uh, $400. Mm -hmm. So uh, the beer swap was practically nothing. Everybody had to bring a different beer, and then we traded beers. 
Um, there's a couple pizzas. Um, so a lot of these events have not cost much money, um, you know, some more than others. But even so, when you put this in an entertainment tab, and it's not a ton of money to basically change the culture of your company to one of let's give good times, let's give fun, um, let's let's just make it a great place to work uh, as many ways as we can. Well, with this is I mean, this is the opposite of the daily grind. It, right. it could become very easy for a company like ours in the contracting world to be a daily grind. Hit your numbers, it's your job on time, right. and it's just over, work and over, time, be, work yeah, overtime. more hours, more hours, and. And, and it's 95 degrees outside. Right, right. And so uh, this sort of takes a step back, looks at the whole human being and understands that if you treat your people well, you know, grass grows where it's watered. Mm -hmm. And so let's, let's, let's well, water and, it. And just to, to continue on that, you know, I've been known to be a, a cutter and a slasher when economic times dictated that. Uh, belt, tight belting, I've done it. You know, I've let people go and all that stuff. Um, and so now it's the opposite. It's a time to loosen up, to basically share more because, like I said, it's an employee's market. They have, they're the ones that make the decisions. Mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing wrong with recognizing that as a reality, that when times are tough, you tighten up, and when times are really good, uh, you, you loosen up. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. And we've made it okay to work under 40 hours uh, we, you know, a week. We don't, you don't have to work 40 hours a week anymore. Um, and we've just taking the emphasis off of the grind, like you say, because incidentally, a lot of these folks have been working right through COVID, right? All of them, right through COVID. They haven't been working from home. They haven't had, uh, mm -hmm. they've had frontline work in people's homes. And it's been strange. It's been stressful, uh, having to wear masks all the time. Um, it's been no party. And so now uh, it's a different game. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I wanna um, add in that, um, since we've started talking about this, uh, you know, branding of being an employer and recruiting in, in different areas, we've had several summit members uh, who are bringing in more people successfully and growing. Uh, look at uh, Lancaster painting, look at uh, MB Jesse painting, textbook painting. Two dudes is uh, crushing it with employees because they're going to, to art schools and they have a great brand as an employer. So it, it does work if you, if you focus on it. Let's be uh, sure about that. One, well, you know, one comment that I do want to make, once you do start growing again, because it's still a contractor's market, it's an employee market and a contractor's market. Right. Um, yep, so, that. so growth is happening. And this is your opportunity to reforecast and get ahead of growth. So you know what positions you're going to have next instead of plugging the dam. Kev, you recently told me that you did a reforecast. I guess yeah, but we lowered growth. down. We lowered okay. growth projections. Yes. Lowered down a little bit. Yep. Uh, to then Just go up a little bit. We took about five or eight percent off of some of the numbers for the rest of the year. Uh, just because we rely so much on on the budget and we rely so much on uh, paying out bonuses on hitting budgets. So the budget has to be realistic and particularly for being profitable, we do not need to make it overly hard to hit these bonuses. Mm. We just need to um, have realistic, smart, attainable goals, and then when we hit those goals. So yeah, we took a, a few numbers off, basically because of the manpower issues. Um, you know, we're probably 30 less people than we were uh, two years ago. Um, so that's a reality, um, but you know, We'll, we'll, we've been through this before. We'll grow again. Um, we'll still do over, over 10 million, close to 11 million. 
Um, our highest number was 12. So, uh, but back in 2008, 9, 10, and 11, uh, we were we were basically at that $5 million mark. Yeah. And we had hit the number and then we had fallen back down again. And we were down for a number of years. Well, I can tell you this particular scenario is a lot better than that one. Mm. Um, not only are we bigger uh, than we were then, uh, but um, it just, we've like I said, we've got work and we've got cash. Um, what am I complaining about, right? Back then, it was it was no work and no cash. Yeah, of course. Um, that's pretty bad. Of course. So. Of course. I, I love reforecasting. It's actually one of my favorite business things to do because you, you're, you're uh, calibrating your business. Well, I typically don't like to do it because uh, it, it looks like you're changing your mind, right? Uh, but this year, we, we indicated we were prepared to do it every quarter if need be. Um, and uh, yeah, so we reforecasted. We have... We have numbers in through not to the end of yeah. the year, just for the next three months. So, so I, I don't see it as uh, changing your mind. I see it planning with new information. Yeah. And and planning uh, is more important than the plan. The 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 planning as a core function and how many employees do we need? What revenue per hour do we do we want to bring in? KPIs, feet on, on the street, all that stuff. Uh, you know, get ahead of it, and that's key. But I know that when I went back in the, like I say, the last recession of 2010, let's say nine, um, I got to the point where I only could see out 90 days in advance. And that's a problem too, right? Like at some point you lose the ability to see many years out. Um, I don't feel like that's the case right now. I do believe that most of these issues will sort themselves out. I believe labor will always be in high demand. I believe contractors are going to be busy for a good while. Yeah. Um, Demand is not going to disappear overnight. Um, so I, I can see a little bit further ahead. But now more than ever, like I say, these budgetary numbers indicate um, bonuses and really how people make their livelihood in the company. Yeah. So they're important that we get it right. You know, now, now you're looking a lot more than 90 days out, Kevin, right? You you and I have been talking a lot about sure. uh, your uh, future white space. Yes. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we'll probably mix this into each of our uh, podcasts with, with you going forward, where you are in that. I know that there's sort of a big announcement tomorrow you're going to make uh, at an all-company meeting. Yeah, I've already meeting. talked about it with everybody But this is, this is your whole company. Yeah, well, what we're is... meeting tomorrow for the first time in person in two years, uh, over 100 of us. And, um, you know, we've been doing these Zoom meetings for the last couple of years, but this is the first time um, in in. In person, the whole company. Barbecue. Yeah, yeah. What time we, should I be there? Yeah, you can come uh, <laughs> 4.30. I'm sure there's going to be extra barbecue because we got a lot. Um, but uh, at 3.30, we're going to have the meeting. 4.30, we'll have some, some barbecue. But uh, the I will be indicating that um, that John Meyer is going to be president um, in September. Uh, we haven't picked the exact date yet, but I'll still maintain the role of CEO. And, but John has already been presiding in uh, situations that, um, that I used to be um, presiding in all the time. He's been coming to more meetings. He's been involved in HR. He's been involved in some training development. Just more of a, a round um, about all the different things that, that a CEO does. So he's already been acting as a president because that's one of the keys. You want to, a Peter principle, you don't want to, put someone in a position that they've mm. never done before. You mm. want them to be in the position and then reward them for it. So, so John's already been presiding. He's already been acting it. He's been 
talking about the state of the company every Wednesday morning and doing the KPIs, reading the report cards, stuff that a year or so ago I was doing. Um, so he's already been presiding over these things and eventually I'll have him already being a CEO. So I intend to, to have him being the CEO before I give up being CEO. That mm. way that way he's I can see that he's doing the job. Mm. So, um, so you need to start passing off some more messages to him. So I, I, I've been telling him, we've been having conversations about make sure you do this and make sure, and I'm talking 30,000 foot questions. Like when you, you know, when you get a report from the CFO, you know, basically you can push back on something if you don't like it, or if you think someone should get a bonus and they missed it by a percent, you know, you can, you can go ahead and, and push, push back on that. That's, that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. um, the CFO, he's putting out things black and white. Interpretation is often done by the CEO, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, giving him sort of that insight about what I do and how I do it and why I do it. Um, I moved upstairs on the third floor, something I thought I was going to do later, but I, we decided to move that ahead of time. His office is right next to my office and we're having a lot more conversations. He's, mm -hmm. he's obviously not doing any more sales because there's not much sales going on. Um, so I'm excited about it. Um, and I was telling you, Brian, that, um, that I, I do these primary aims. And anybody who knows me well, I talk about doing a primary aim. So <clears throat> last September, I did a primary aim. I talked about retiring um, in four years to the day. And that what I was going to do is I was not going to retire what I say is white space, which means nothing. That I was going to build houses on a property I own in Florida. So that's what I wrote down in my primary aim, and I shared it with a few folks, and because um, I own this property, and then a month went by, and I thought if I'm going to go ahead and build houses in Florida, if I think that's what I'm going to do, I better get down there. I think I told you about this story before on, on this podcast. I went down there, decided, yeah, don't want to do that. A lot of reasons. The neighborhood's not not conducive for the type of homes I would build. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to put the house up for sale of the property up for sale and I'm going to uh, come up with another plan. So the winter goes by. I still don't have a plan on what I'm going to do. Um, I've been coaching somebody and I, I, I challenged him as well as myself to do another primary aim. So on July 4th this past year, a couple weeks ago, I did a primary aim uh, for September 21st. Uh, no, no, it was for July 4th. Um, in three years, 2024, 2024, right before the, you know, the three month period to less than 90 days till retirement period. And I was discussing this white space, this undeveloped, unwritten ter territory where the plan hasn't, cause you just yet. don't stop having a purpose. Right? Yeah. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm not going to just arrive and say, well, what am I going to do now? Um, so I wanted to have a plan. So, um, so we, you and me have been talking and, um, I'm going to, um, I have some other coaching activities I've been doing and I'm going to back off those coaching activities and uh, take on some clients at Nolan Summit. Consulting Yeah, Nolan Consulting, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's, a, it's a sweet gig. It's a, it's a part-time job. Welcome to the party. And once again, you can, you can talk about somebody else's problems and then make sure you write them down and do whatever follow-up you needed to do, but otherwise they're not your problems. <laughs> so I like that. Um, and then chances are I've had a lot of these problems before. Um, so I can generally lend some insight and, um, it is rewarding as you have always said, it's re very rewarding to help people and to have them say, thank you. That's great advice. I'm going to do that. 
And it's very rewarding to have them do that yeah. and then watch it work. Yeah. So, yeah, so I won't have this grind of having to work every day, um, but I'll have a consultative opportunity in my own company, Nolan Painting, because I will continue to be chairman of the board, uh, otherwise known as the owner. Um, but, um, but I'll also be able to be completely, um, you know, I won't have any, any responsibilities day to day for the company. And that's something I look forward to. I'm very energetic, as you are, Bri. We have lots of uh, things we want to do, lots of uh, physical activities we like to do, uh, racing and triathlons and bike events. So um, I want to be able to do all these things. And um, that's all in my primary aim. Good. I, I feel like I'm just getting started on, on so many levels. Uh, life is messy, but uh, life is fun. Um, so thank you for being part of this podcast and this journey with uh, Kevin yeah, and I will for indulging me and yeah. listening to my problems. But I, generally speaking, I'm feeling really good that, you know, we have problems. We eat problems for breakfast and lunch sometimes. I, I, I think that's the main takeaway here is that um, the, the ability to be mentally uh, tough and mentally prepared for really any situation to really expect situations to occur um, because, you know, we, we, we cause change and change comes back to us and we got to be tough so uh kev thanks once again we'll be back in a couple months hopefully not too many messes but i'm sure there'll be a few i'm sure there will thank you have a great day thanks bye thanks for listening to this episode out of the hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at nolan consulting group a nationwide business consulting firm with coaches located around the country have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.